Welcome back to Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider. This is a show about a league that actually plays its games on schedule, unlike baseball. Uh, I want to get into, you know, Jeff's dealings with, uh, you know, players and the CBA and just his perspective on how the different leagues handle their player relations. We'll also talk about the combine. We'll talk about uh, Kirk Cousins scenarios, Aaron Rodgers scenarios. There's always an Aaron Rodgers scenario to get to. Uh, Vikings roster, some over prospects and news from around the league. This is part of the TalkNorth.com podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at TalkNorthPod. We recommend subscribing at your favorite podcast app. It is free. It is easy. So, Jeff, let's just start there. Baseball just decided they're going to chop off the first week of the season. They've had, uh, you know, they haven't always had problematic relations between the players and the owners, but when it's bad, it gets really bad. Uh, and it feels like the NFL has just managed that better, or they just dominate players more in the uh, negotiation so they don't have to worry about these things. Well, I think there, there's definitely a, more of a feeling of a partnership between the, the players and the and management in the NFL. There's there's always the acrimony that you're, you're going to have in any collective bargaining situation. And I know very well, having lived through a couple of strikes or lockouts back in the 80s, how devastating it is and the 82 uh, strike when we when we lost uh, a number of games in, in 87 we had the scab teams which was a disaster for our team with the Vikings we had a great team that year as you'll recall and and we Mike Lynn our GM at the time never believed it would come to Tech Schramm's plan to have these scab teams so we, we got a late start putting our scab team together, went 0-3 with our scab team, and we end up in the playoffs, but we have to go on the road to New Orleans, so we beat in an upset, then went to San Francisco, the top seed, Joe Montana, Bill Walsh, that whole group, Ronnie Lott, Roger Craig, and knocked off the 49ers, a fantastic day for Anthony Carter, Chris Dolman, Keith Millard, Wade Wilson, one of the greatest wins that I ever had in my career. And then by the time we got to Washington, we were kind of worn out and got beat uh, on a last minute play. But so I lived through the, those type of labor situations and certainly was happy as my career went on that I think the league and certainly Paul Tagliabue and Gene Upshaw, the commissioner and the Players Association leader at the time, saw the damage that had been done to the league with those two work stoppages and and then from there on and carried on with Roger Goodell and, and D Smith. Now they've been able to have the labor peace and doing longer deals. I think has helped the NFL in the midst of a 10 year deal. And so there's just so much money to be divided up. And I think the NFL has a better grasp of doing that than major league baseball. And I, it just seems to me, major league baseball is just has such tunnel vision in terms of the damage that can be done to their sport that already is kind of reeling in the ratings and fan interests and games are too long and too many pitchers coming in and all that, those type of issues that they're dealing with. And then you talk about further potentially damaging the product. Now I understand fans do seem to have a short memory in terms of, of labor issues and all that, but I don't think baseball can afford to have this thing go on very much longer. Uh, yeah, and I'm not. I, and in this case, it's really the owners. The owners instituted the lockout. The owners uh, ended up 
offering very little uh, in movement in the proposals over the last few days. It's almost like, and, you know, I've been hearing all winter that they basically wanted to inflict some pain on the players. I think one of the problems with baseball, as opposed to football, too, is in baseball, the players start feeling pain as soon as they miss that first paycheck of the season, and they make most of their they make most of their money during the regular season. Owners make most of their money in the postseason, so they feel like they can afford to play games with the early season games. And they also had a work stoppage where they canceled some early season games and still got the full season in. So they the owners feel much more entitled to play around with regular season games in this sport than the NFL, where the NFL they they know their their TV money starts flowing big time that first Thursday night of the regular season. Yeah, I think that definitely makes sense. And when you're talking about 162 games versus 17 games there's a big difference there and so football players and league owners can't really afford to lose any regular season games in the nfl as opposed to in baseball you're right and i think it's kind of ludicrous when they talk about well we're already canceling the first week of the season really (laughs) because because you can't have a 15 game spring training instead of a 30 games spring training <laughs> and, and you still can't play a full regular season schedule, which I still don't necessarily believe that's going to not happen if they get a deal done in the next two weeks. So there, there's a lot of smoke going on in those labor negotiations in baseball, but I, I know collective bargaining agreement negotiations are difficult. I was part of the NFL CBA negotiation process and I was on some subcommittees and I sat in some of those rooms with 20 people on each side and you just can't get a deal done until you basically get about two people on each side across the table and then figure it out. And whether it's, it's Manfred and Clark or whoever, ultimately that was the case in the NFL when it was Tagliabue and Upshaw or Goodell and, and D. Smith to get the deal done. So I hope for the sake of baseball, they do get it done. I'm happy the NFL's had labor peace. I hope that continues. And with so much money at stake, you would think you could figure out a way to divide it up. (laughs) You would think. Of course, Jeff is the former Vikings general manager, former NFL executive of the year. We want to thank our sponsors, White Bear Lake Superstore and Platinum Bank and our producer, Brianne Burdett. Uh, So, Jeff, let's get to the combine. Uh, You know, I don't know how much actual value there is of being the combine, but it's become a football convention where everybody goes. And now the coaches and general managers speak. Of course, uh, Quasi. Odofa Mensa and Kevin O'Connell got up to speak. And what's interesting this time of the year is you can read so much between the lines, everything they say about their players and their plans. And I don't know how much we should actually do that because I'm not sure we know what their intent, what messages they're actually intending to, to say. Uh, what did you take out of what they had to say? Yeah, I, th- I think, again, a lot of a lot of puff and, and just not a lot of real substance in, in what their comments are at this point. And yeah, they they like Kirk Cousins, but we're going to make a decision, figure it all out. We like Daniil Hunter, had a great conversation with him, but we're going to have to figure that one out. And, and Anthony Barr and all this type of thing. And, and, of course, a lot of it depends on what kind of system they're going to run and figure out where certain players are going to fit. And so there are, yeah, there are a ton of decisions to be made. And, and they're a little behind the eight ball, as we've talked about the last couple of weeks. With the, with the late hires after the Super Bowl, especially of O'Connell. And so it's, uh, it's crunch time right now. And, and, I, and I know, first of all, the combine, the player part of it, very overrated, very overhyped event. 
and very boring. I think the more important things that are happening at the combine are the meetings that that, that Quasi and, and Kevin are having behind the scenes with their coaching staff, with their support staff, trying to figure out the salary cap situation. We've already seen the Packers restructure several players, including Bakhtiari, Kenny Clark, Aaron Jones, to start freeing up some money. And that's going to continue to happen. Kyle Rudolph got cut by the Giants to free up five million bucks. And, and the Vikings are going to have to make several moves here in the next few weeks in order to, to free up some money. They're about 15 and a half million over the cap right now. And of course, very easy to get that number down by figuring out Kirk Cousins' deal, Daniil Hunter's deal, because Cousins is counting 45 million against the cap and 126. So when they get those two guys figured out, that'll put them under the cap, and then they can go ahead and start signing free agents and figure out where they're going from here. But yeah, I think the press conferences, just not a lot of real substance in those situations. And you kind of laugh. Yeah, Pete Carroll talking about, yeah, we want Russell Wilson here. Well, we'll see because the proof will be in the next couple of weeks in the decision-making process that's going to happen with guys like Russell Wilson, with guys like Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins here, Daniil Hunter here, Anthony Barr is a potential free agent, Tyler Conklin. There are a number of players, Sheldon Richardson we know, Patrick Peterson. They got a lot of tough decisions to make. And there are a lot of behind-the-scenes conversations taking place at the Combine with agents. And it's always laughable when they say, well, you can't really negotiate free agent deals till March 14th or sign players till March 16th. Those conversations are taking place this week at the Combine. All the big agents are there, and they're talking about their players. And, and so it, it's, it's rampant tampering going on in Indy. And, and really – the least important thing are these players, the college players working out on the field. The mo more important thing, <clears throat> combine-wise, <clears throat> are the physicals, which is really the most important element of the combine, and the interview process, which I think is really critical, too. And so the, a lot of things going on in Indy this week. But as I said, the NFL Network wants you to believe that this is absolutely critical week for these workouts. Well, if that's the case, then why are so many first-round potential picks not working out and waiting for their pro day? <clears throat> it's not critical yet. No. And by the way, just this came to me as you were talking. Did you ever deal with an agent that you really just couldn't deal with, that you found like impossible, that it affected you know, the relationship with the player, the player's relationship with the team? Oh, yeah. There, there were a few times. And there were, there were some agents who were not truthful. There were some agents who had no clue about the system. I had a, a player, David Palmer, former wide receiver, kick returner. His agent was a, was a city councilman family friend from Birmingham who had no clue about the system. And he held David out for a couple of weeks in training camp until I threatened to take money off the table, and which I learned a valuable lesson that from then on, I had to make that threat from the start of training camp. But yeah, there are, there are plenty of agents that were difficult to deal with. I always preferred to deal with the most professional agents, guys like Tom Condon and CAA, Jack Mills out in Boulder, who represented Randall McDaniel. And yeah, the agent world, you get some good ones and you get some real shaky ones for sure. Uh, let's get to 
Kirk Cousins and his contract and what it might mean for the future of this team as they try to figure out their salary cap. But first, we do want to thank a longtime sponsor, White Bear Lake Superstore. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Always happy to talk about the White Bear Lake Superstore, Buick GMC, and my great friend, the owner, Paul Rubin, his general manager, Charlie Guttrell, and their fantastic staff. Minnesota's number one volume Buick GMC dealer, six years running with the best selection and with their super friendly premium team. Check out their great website, whitebearlakesuperstore.com. You'll see great selection of GMC and Buick SUVs, new 2021 and 2022 Buick SUVs, including the stylish Encore GX with a 0% APR offer up to 72 months and 0% APR on most 21 and 22 GMC models including the fabulous Sierra 1500. Reserve yours today and don't wait. Reserve your all-electric super truck, the Hummer EV. The Wiper Lake Superstore also is the Quigley 4x4 van superstore. They're a certified elite dealer. Only 7% of GM dealers make the cut. So visit in person at 3900 Highway 61 North in Wiper Lake or online at wiperlakesuperstore.com for all your vehicle needs and the premium experience Buick GMC, we are professional grade. Thanks also to Platinum Bank, one of our newer sponsors at TalkNorth.com. Yeah, Platinum Bank, we love our, our great sponsor. Is your bank a partner or simply a provider? In today's environment, businesses and individuals need a bank that can move quickly and act creatively. Platinum Bank understands the Twin Cities market, partnering with clients to overcome the challenges, capitalize on opportunities, and helping Twin Cities execs to grow their businesses. Platinum Bank's financial products are tailored to meet the unique needs of your organization and solve your problems, not create them. I'm a very happy Platinum Bank client and account holder, and I've personally experienced tremendous customer service working with Market President Nate Erfer and VP Drew Lynch. To learn how Platinum Bank can be an asset to your business, visit www.platinumbankmn.com. Platinum Bank, providing a means to a dream. So the scenarios with Cousins, trading him is... It's just a very small, small percentage chance that's going to happen. I'm just going to say it's not going to happen. Uh, they're not going to cut them. Uh, they don't have any other alternatives at quarterback. And, you know, you, you listen to them talk about him this week at the Combine. It was kind of like they praised him without really saying that they're committed to him. So really, I think there are two options on the table. One is just letting him play out his contract this year and doing whatever you have to do to get a quarterback next year, whether it's negotiating with him or moving on. Uh, or extending his contract, lowering his salary cap hit this year. But here's the question. You think Cousins would want to do that? Well, I, I think he definitely would, would want to do that if they make it worth his while, which is guaranteeing more money, giving him more years <clears throat> that are certain. And in terms of his familiarity with Minnesota, with the, with the Vikings facility, not necessarily this coaching staff, but with Kevin O'Connell, who coached him in Washington. And so I, I think that, yes, the answer would be he would he would want to extend. I don't necessarily see him agreeing to take a, a, a pay cut to lower that forty five million dollar cap number, which is basically the thirty five million dollar uh, base salary this year. I think that he's going to say, OK, if you want a lower cap number, I got to have more years, more security. and there are ways to do that, certainly with, with voidable years in a contract, which has been kind of in vogue in recent years and was part of Aaron Rodgers' new deal and a number of other players. So I could see them coming up with a solution 
that includes some voidable years, maybe one more year of, of an actual extension and really take his deal out essentially four or five years with, with several voidable years, kind of like, like what the Packers did with Rodgers last year and get that, that cap number down by another 10 or $20 million perhaps. And so I, I can definitely see that happening. I think in the meantime, they have to be looking at these quarterbacks in the draft. And, and also I'm sure that Kevin O'Connell is closely studying Kellen Mond, which he probably did when Mond came out last year in the draft and to figure out what he's got there. But I, I certainly wouldn't be surprised if perhaps in the second round that they grab one of these quarterbacks uh, that it seems like this year the quarterbacks are supposedly sliding down in terms of projected draft position. But we always know the quarterbacks end up getting bid up and, and drafted higher than expected. Witness Christian Ponder and those type of players in the past. And so I, I could definitely see the Vikings not not with the first round pick where I think they're going to want to go either a, a corner or an edge rusher. I could see them in the second round definitely looking at those quarterbacks or third round. Taking me back earlier in the conversation, explain to those of us who aren't as smart as you what avoidable year is and how that works. Well, essentially, avoidable year means they figure out a way in some very easy way for a player to avoid, avoid the, the last three years of his contract if he plays – however many snaps or whatever the case may be, or they have some other language, creative language that, that the league has allowed and the union has signed off on because it's beneficial, obviously, to the players. And, and we've utilized that at IFA with some of our contracts. And so it, it's just basically uh, a trigger that is easily attained and almost an automatic, or it probably is an automatic, that, that the contract is going to void. Uh, I, I never had the ability to use that tool back in the day, but they have since allowed it. And so, yeah, we could do voidable contracts, but they had to be very specific on how it was going to void. And now it's, it's very vanilla that you can figure out a way to void a contract. And so it's just, as I said, it's a, it's a mechanism so that if a contract is fi as a five-year deal, you can spread the, the signing bonus over five years, but if three years void out, then the signing bonus essentially comes back later, but you're never going to get rid of that signing bonus. And so whatever Kirk Cousins has on his contract in terms of signing bonus, in terms of, of proration, you can't ever get rid of it. So you're just, shall we say, postponing the inevitable. <laughs> well, I'm glad you said that because that's, my view is I know it's, you know, so many NFL teams kick the can down the road. Aren't you better off as an organization just playing this year out with Kirk Cousins? Perhaps. And they may take that approach. But if they think they can be competitive uh, and be a playoff team this year, which I, I think that they can be and they're not that far away, they're only one game out last year, then I think you do try to figure out a way to maximize your cap. And the way to do that is to have Cousins deal his number come down from 45 million and down into that whatever 25 to $30 million range. 
And so, as we said, eventually it's going to come home to roost. You're going to have to pay the, the piper on it. But I don't think this year they're going to want to necessarily do that. And so I think, I think that at this, point, at this point in time, it makes sense to me with the roster that they have, with the players that they have, with the ability to quickly be competitive. We know last year seven teams, new teams made the playoffs compared to the year before. I think the Vikings can be one of those teams if they make the right moves, if they tweak their offensive system. And I, I think he'll get – I think the, the offense will be better coached this year under O'Connell than it was under Quinn Kubiak. I think defensively with Donatel and Patton and some of the changes they're going to make, they'll be maybe perhaps a little more creative than, than Zimmer's defense that was very predictable. And maybe they can figure out ways not to get caught in those tough predicaments, such as having Cooper Cup be covered by Mackenzie Alexander one-on-one -on -one in the Ram game, which was a disaster or Devontae Adams figuring out, the Packers figuring out a way to get him isolated. And hopefully O'Connell can do that with Justin Jefferson too, by the way. <laughs> yes, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Uh, so Gophers have a couple of uh, pretty good prospects, a couple that could go in the first round, you know, maybe later first round, uh, Mafe and Falele. Uh, do you have any thoughts? I mean, you, you work in an agency, you've re represented high-profile Gophers like Rashad Bateman. Any thoughts on, on their process or their status? Yeah, I think they're both uh, excellent prospects. And Mafe is an edge rusher, and this is a, a strong edge rusher draft, which is uh, not to his advantage necessarily. He, he's looked at, you know, I, I think most people project him as, as possibly a late, round, late first round pick, but more likely a second second round type guy Falele probably in that same mode maybe perhaps a better chance to go in the first round he's so big and strong and and agile for a big guy and Mafe's got got that great first step and great speed as an edge rusher so I I, I like both those guys a lot and I think that they're they're both going to go in those first couple rounds of the draft they can slide to the third round. You just, you just never know how it's going to play out, and part of it will be how they test out in terms of, of the pro day coming up in, in this month and all, all these opportunities to present yourself to the scouts are important, how they interview, how their physicals come out this week, all big factors. And Talele, a really interesting guy because he's so big, and you, you sometimes worry – can a guy that played at whatever 350 to 375 pounds, can he control his weight when he gets to the NFL, when he gets some money in his pocket, will, will he be highly motivated to keep that weight down? Because if, if he balloons up to 400, which I think he was it's at a few points in his college career, that, that's definitely going to be problematic for him. It's always fascinating to think about the weight of offensive linemen because the weights have gone so far up. I mean, Jeff, when you and I, when I was covering your teams, you know, early 90s, even late 90s, I mean, there were offensive linemen who were like 270 pounds, you know, 280 pounds. And now you have to be like 320 just to have a fighting chance. And a lot of these guys lose a massive amount of weight when they retire because they just force feed themselves their entire careers. Uh, at, at, in the modern era, at what weight? Are you just not effective? Yeah, I, I think that again, 
you just have to really fine tune it and it, it becomes a part of sports science to figure out what what's what is the what is the maximum weight a player can have to be effective to not lose the speed and the agility but yet be strong enough to to match up and so that's a, a big part of the, the job for the athletic training staff for, for the strength and conditioning staff to to figure all that out to monitor it and and with these rookies it's really important and i and i know they emphasize it more in college than they used to but you got to get these guys on the right nutrition plan and stay away from the fast food and and just try to to eat more healthy and that can make a big difference for them uh eating their fruits and vegetables <laughs> as opposed to burgers and pizza can can play a big part in it and we know moderation is fine but some of those young guys it's a challenge and we find that challenge with with the agent firm with IFA too with our guys we've got to educate them on that which which I think the teams do a better job today and and so do the strength and conditioning staffs and so do the coaching staff and uh when we get a chance Jim I want to talk about a couple of assistant coaches that have caught my attention that the Vikings have hired too because I think there's some really interesting guys well, you want to? Do, we could uh, do it this week, or we save that for a big top part of next week's show. It's up to you. Well, I think I think let's talk about a couple of guys who uh, who who have kind of caught my attention, and and we can talk about a couple more next week. But one guy is Greg Minuski. Who I remember Greg. Who, yeah, who's going to coach inside linebackers, and he ha had a three-year career with us with the Vikings during my GM days, and. Uh, and just a, a terrific guy, tough player as a linebacker, special teams guy, fierce competitor, always a fun guy to be around, great personality, then became a, an excellent coach and a, and a former defensive coordinator with several teams. And I think he's going to be a great addition. I think Eric, Eric Hendricks will love working with, with Minuski, and I think vice versa too. And another guy who caught my attention is, is, is Chris Cooper uh, with the offensive line. And what I like about Chris Cooper is that he was the Broncos assistant O-line coach the last three years in Denver. And I think where he, I'm sure, received great training under Mike Munchak, who I worked with in Tennessee with the Titans. And, and I think that Munch, also a former head coach with the Titans, but he was our offensive line coach on our Super Bowl team in Tennessee. I think he's the best offensive line coach in the NFL. And I think that bodes well for Cooper. And, and he also was a solid NFL player as a guard for many years in Denver. And, and so perhaps he can significantly improve the Vikings interior line with, with guys like Udo and Cleveland. Bradbury, I'm not so sure about. <laughs> we'll have to see about what decision they make there. Uh, but And they also have Mason Cole. So we'll see how that shakes out. But I, I think that Cooper and Minuski are two guys that have caught my attention. And then I want to talk about some other guys like Chris Rump, the defensive line coach, next week we'll hit them. Let's do that. It's a good, really good idea to break down the new staff. I like that. Now, also, as you know, Jeff, in the old days uh, at training camp, pretty much everybody went to the Albatross in Mankato because it was the, the closest, uh, most popular bar near the uh, the player dorms during training camp. And uh, I, I think I bought Greg a couple beers. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he had a few. and. 
that, that was always the, the player bar. The coaches always went to, to Jake's Pizza. That's right. Yep. <laughs> so, but yeah, we, we had a lot, of, a lot of fun times in Mankato. And I think about Indy and, and the combine. And I was thinking today, well, let's see, I, I, went to, I went to the combine for about 20 years for a week. That, that's about a half a year of my life I spent in Indianapolis. But the combine, a lot of boredom there, but but also a chance to to visit with with a lot of other people around the league. You're kind of your your colleagues, comrades on other clubs, and and talking to to agents. All the the agent situation really developed kind of later, but but I think certainly uh, indie is a an interesting experience. But there's also a lot of boredom going on there. But the the best part of it, of, of the combine week, Jim, was going to St. Elmo Steakhouse in downtown Indy for their super hot shrimp cocktail. <laughs> that was yep. the best. That's the famous place in Indy. I remember I went to uh, Indy to do, cover Peyton Manning breaking the uh, the all-time NFL passing record, spent some time talking to Dungey, and uh, Ed Werder and I, after the game, went over to St. Elmo's. We walk in, and there's uh, Peyton, uh, Peyton and, uh, and Archie Manning and their wives just hanging out at the bar. <laughs> that that sounds very familiar with with indianapolis definitely <laughs> good stuff from jeff thanks again to white bear lake superstore platinum bank and our producer brianne burdett we'll be back next week to uh, continue breaking down the vikings coaching staff and their moves <laughs>